0: All right, hey everybody, welcome to Valley Creek. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Come on, whatever campus you're at right now, Denton, Flower Mound, Lewisville, the venue, watching online somewhere in the world. Let's just go ahead and welcome each other together. Come on, we are so glad that you are here with us. I have no idea what's going on in your life today, but here's what I want you to know. Hope is here. Everyone is welcome. And Jesus changes everything. Somebody just needed to hear that today. That hope is here, that you are welcome, and that Jesus changes everything. I believe he has something great for you and for me today. Welcome to Valley Creek. We're glad that you're here. And before we jump in, I just want to take a moment just to point back on this week. You see, this past week, our staff had our annual Dream Retreat. Where we as a staff pull away for a couple days and we talk about where we've been, where we are, who we are, and where we're going, and it was the best staff retreat that we have ever had. Our staff was encouraged, they were refreshed, they were inspired, and I tell you all of that because I think it's because of you. See, last week we asked you to pray for us for the first time. We've never did that before going into that retreat. And I think because you prayed for us, God answered those prayers and our staff was encouraged and inspired. I mean, check out this verse. Look at what we're commanded to do. Here's what Paul, he says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. For kings and especially all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, this is good and pleases God our Savior. In other words, he commands us to pray for the leaders in our lives. And he says when you'll pray for the leaders in your life, in all the areas of life, it will go well with you. And it's good and it pleases God. See, when you pray for your leaders, here's what's happening. It's creating gratitude in your heart. It's creating a thanksgiving that there are leaders who are laying down their life for you and for your family and sacrificing so that your world can be better. It creates humility in your heart where you start actually acknowledging that you need spiritual leaders in your life, taking you to new places with God. And when you pray for your leaders, it's worship. Look at what it says. It says, this is good and it pleases God. God is honored when we choose to lift up the leaders that he has placed over our lives. So I wanna say thank you. And don't just do it like once a year when we hit the dream retreat, we need you to pray for us all the time because healthy leaders create a healthy church. So thanks for praying because we have a great team that loves you very much that shepherds you and serves you and sacrifices for you and your family so that you can have a peaceful and quiet life and all godliness and holiness in Jesus' name. Yeah. Are you with me on that? Yes. We're kind of like, no, yeah, yeah, come on, let's give it up for the staff for a second. Anyways, come on, come on. Matt. Many of them you never see, you don't know their names, but they are giving their lives so that you can experience everything God has. For you, Okay, today we're jumping back into our series called Face Your Giants. We're talking about how to deal with some of the things in our lives that have been holding us back. And this has been a big series. And so last week we kind of took a break. We took a pause to just kind of take a breath because we're really going kind of head at some of these things. Because if you're honest and I'm honest, we've got things in our lives that hold us back. Things that oppress us, things that overwhelm us, things that intimidate us and keep us in bondage. And we said that in this season of pioneering, of going to new places with God, that we were created to move mountains and walk on water and fight giants in Jesus' name. But sometimes it feels like those mountains don't move, like the water is too stormy to walk on, and like some giants never die. And so we're just going right at it. And we're saying, what do we do with those giants in our lives, the things that oppress us, that hold us back? Because let's be honest, you got some giants in your life. You may not want to admit it. You may not want to acknowledge it. But you got things that roar and growl and drool and are nasty and are ruthless and relentless. And we said, it's time to face them in Jesus' name so we can move forward. You see, just to remind you, we defined a giant. We said a giant is anything— that stands in between you and the promises of God that feels impossible to overcome. It's a giant. It's anything. Anything in your life that holds you back and your giant is real, man. It's okay to struggle. It's not okay to lie about it. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Your giant is real and it's healthy to acknowledge that you've got some things in your life that are holding you back. It's anything that stands in between you and the promises of God. You say, What are those? That's all the things that now belong to us through the finished work of Jesus. Things like peace and joy. And breakthrough and freedom and redemption and wholeness that belongs to us in Jesus' name. And those giants, the more we look at them, they feel impossible to overcome. The more we look at them, the bigger they seem to become. And we said the giants are things like this, anxiety, stress. Fear, depression, worry, anger, addictions, insecurity, pride, control, religion, bitterness, you name it, there is no end to the list of those things. And what I want you to understand is this is not a series to just deal with that one giant in your life. Some of you are here, you're like, I just got to get rid of this one giant and all will be well. No, this is a series that's teaching you how to live a lifestyle of dealing with the giants in your life. I mean, if you think about Joshua, the the leader of the Israelites, who takes the Israelites into the promised land, full of giants, and God shows up and he says to Joshua, hey Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for I will be with you wherever you go. I'm sure when God said that to Joshua before they went into the land, he was like, yeah, yeah, God, I, I got this. We good, I can fight a couple of giants. I've learned how to do it, no problem. And then Joshua goes into the land. And it's not one giant. It's not two giants. It's not five giants. It's not 15 giants. It's not 20 giants. It's not even 30 giants. Check this out. These are the kings of the land that Joshua and the Israelites conquered. 31 kings. 31 kings. You say, who are those 31 kings? They're not just kings. They're giant kings. Not just one. Not just 10. 31 giant kings. And guess what? Every king has a kingdom full of giants. He didn't just fight 31 giants. He fought 31 giant kings with giant kingdoms full of giant people. That wasn't about a one and done giant. That was about learning to live a lifestyle of increasing and advancing, of moving forward, of going to new places with God. And that's what this series is all about in your life. And in my life, because just if you defeat that one giant that's here today, guess what? There's 30 more coming down the pipe. You're like, I thought church was supposed to be encouraging. It is. It is. Come on, look at the next verse. This is our theme verse. It says, in all these things against any and every giant in your life, we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. And so what we're doing in this series is we're building a manifesto a guidebook, if you will, of different lessons on how we face our giants. We're learning from the physical stories of the Old Testament heroes who fought physical giants to teach us how to battle the spiritual giants in our lives. And we've said that each one of these lessons build We've gone through lessons one through six over the last few weeks. It's all online, it's on YouTube. If you're serious about facing your giants, you need to go back and watch those so you get those lessons so you can move forward. I'm gonna give you three more lessons today. And if we have time, a bonus lesson at the end. And then next week we're gonna pull the whole thing together. So you with me on that? Come on, your future is on the other side of the giant you don't wanna face. So don't let your giant hide your future in Jesus' name. Just because he hasn't fallen doesn't mean he won't. You ready? Lesson seven, here we go. Lesson seven, if you wanna face your giants, change your thinking and change your living. Change your thinking. The reason we live defeated lives is because we have broken thinking. We have bad thinking. We have worldly thinking. If we're honest, our thoughts are often more influenced by our giants than they are by our God. And then we wonder, why does the giant always seem to win? It's because we have broken thinking. Here's what you need to remember. The battle is not out there. The battle is in here. Come on. Your giants aren't out there. I hate to break this to some of you, but your giants are not the people in your life. You're like, yes, they are. You don't know my boss. No, your giants are not. It's not people, man. It's not your boss. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your parents. They may drool and growl and roar and be ruthless and relentless, but that's not your giant. Your giant isn't your circumstance. Your giant isn't your situation. There's not a nine-foot physical giant waiting on the front porch every day when you wake up that follows you as soon as you walk out of the door. No, no. The giants aren't here, man. Come on. Anxiety is not out there. It's here. Stress is not out there. It's here. Depression is not out there. It's here. Shame is not out there. It's here. The battle is in here. We said a few weeks ago that Jesus says he has all authority. And if Jesus has all authority, then your giant has none. none. Then why does it seem like he's often winning? Because giants are empowered through human agreement. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar and you're allowing him to shape your thoughts, which ultimately shapes your life. I mean, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians. This is one of the famous verses in the Bible. It says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We're in a real battle, but it's a spiritual battle. And spiritual battles require spiritual weapons, not physical ones. On the contrary, they have the power, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's what he says He says, You're in a battle. You're in a real battle, but the battle's not up there, the battle's in here. He says, You have strongholds in your life. You say, What's a stronghold? It's anything that has a strong hold on you. Genius, right? Strong hold on you. What would that be? A giant, a giant has a strong hold on you. It keeps you from moving forward and experiencing the life that God has for you. And he says, we have divine power to demolish strongholds or to defeat the giants in our life. How? By taking, our captive, by taking captive our thoughts and bringing them into submission and surrender to the finished work of Jesus. See, if you want to deal with the giants in your life, you have to learn how to take your thoughts and bring them into alignment with the finished work of Jesus. You have to learn how to take your thoughts and bring them into submission and surrender to the rule and the reign of Jesus. So here's what I would ask you to do. When you think of the giants or your thought life, every time you have a thought, you can ask yourself these two questions. Does this thought glorify God? And it is in alignment with the finished work of Jesus. That's what this verse is telling us. It's saying we have to be ruthless about going out and captivating, taking captive by force our thoughts. And this is the question you ask. Is this thought glorify God and is it in alignment with the finished work of Jesus? And if it's not, you've got to capture it. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to remove it, release it, replace it. Come on, say it with me. Remove it, release it, replace it. Sounds really good, doesn't it? Come on, all of a sudden, when that depression starts in here and how bad everything is in life, here's my question. Does that thought glorify God? No. So what I'm told to do is remove it, release it, and replace it with the truth that God has filled my life with hope. When insecurity or shame starts taking off in here and I start thinking about how bad I am and I'm a nobody and all the things that are wrong with me, does that thought align with the finished work of Jesus? No. Remove it, release it. Replace it with truth that I'm forgiven and free and wanted in Jesus. When anxiety or stress starts spinning up here, does that thought glorify God? Maybe. No. (laughs) No. All the worry of the unknown of the future, remove it, release it, and replace it with he has given me his peace. When your giant feels like he's winning, my question for you is do your thoughts glorify God and are they in alignment with the finished work of Jesus? If not, remove, release, replace. And here's the deal. We have to stop waiting for Jesus to do what he's already told us to do. Half the time we're waiting for Jesus to defeat the giant in our mind when he says, no, I've given you divine power to take him down by capturing that thought and bringing it into submission to what I've already done out there. Yeah. Come on. You've got to take responsibility if you're serious about this. I mean, look at the next verse, Romans twelve two Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't allow the giants to shape your thoughts. Allow God to shape your thoughts. Don't believe the giants' lies. Believe God's truth. Don't let the giants conform you, shape you, press you into the pattern of this broken world. Instead, be changed or transformed. Be lifted up. Become a new person with a new life. By changing the way you think and choosing to agree with God regardless of how you feel. This is why Jesus' main message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Change your mind. Change your thinking. A superior reality is here. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever got stuck in a rut? Like... Like not one of those like life ruts, like I'm in a life rut. Like, like a real rut, like on a dirt road. Have you ever got stuck in a rut? Some of you are like, whoa, no, I don't even know what that is. Okay. <laughs> if you've ever been in a truck or a four-wheeler or some kind of ATV, if you go on these paths. Sometimes there will be so much traffic, so many trucks will have gone through that it will create these actual ruts in the road. And sometimes those ruts can get so deep and so full of mud that when you go in them, it doesn't matter how hard you turn, how much gas you give it, you can't get up out of that rut. It's so deep that your truck will follow whatever path that has already been created. No matter what you do, you're stuck in that rut and you're going to go all the way where that rut leads you. The only thing you can do when you get stuck in a physical rut is stop, back up, and create a new path to go around it. Okay. That is what happens in our minds. We create ruts in our minds. Loops, pathways, things that get etched so deep in broken giant thinking that when life happens and we hit it, all of a sudden, boom, we get in it and we can't get ourselves out of it no matter how hard we try and it takes us all the way to the front door of our giant's house. And so what do we do? We have to back up. And create a new path paved with God's truth. That's why Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if we want to create a path of faith that takes us away from our giant into God's kingdom, we need to hear God's word. We need messages preached over our lives. We need to engage the scriptures for ourselves. We need worship music, the anthems of heaven washing over our minds. We need friends who talk faith with us. If we want to create a new road that doesn't take us to our giant's front door, we need God's truth to pave a new path that takes us deep into the heart of his kingdom. Are you with me on that? You see, the question I want to ask you today is, is are you paving new paths or are you stuck in old ruts? Because that will determine whether or not you have victory over your giant. In fact, I love this Psalm uh, 19. I think it is. Psalm 19 says, "Let the words of my heart and the thoughts, or the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart, be pleasing in your eyes, O Lord." Yeah. The words of your mouth reveal to us the thoughts of your heart. So the question is: Is are those pleasing? Do they glorify with God and they are aligned with the finished work of Jesus? And you say, why does that matter? Because whoever shapes your thoughts shapes your life. You with me on that? Yes. So you got to change your thinking and you got to change your living. It's not just about changing your thinking. It's actually about changing your living. Here's what I, I want you to think about for a second. Let's say you went to the doctors and you got diagnosed with cancer. And all of a sudden, you realize there's this cancer inside of your body, and and you leave that doctor's office. What are you gonna do? You're probably gonna change everything about your life. You're gonna change what you eat, you're gonna change your workout routine. You're gonna change how you sleep, where you go, what you do with your time, the medicine that you take. You're gonna be so humble and honest that you're gonna ask people for prayer. You're gonna come forward at the end of service to be anointed with oil. You're gonna change everything about your life. Why? Because you wanna starve that cancer so you can be healthy and live in Jesus' name, okay? Do you understand a giant is like a cancer in your life? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And what a lot of us are looking for is a quick fix for our giant. We want to take one pill or go to one counseling session or come to one of the messages of the series called Face Your Giant and expect our giant to just fall over and die. It's not how it works. We got to learn to starve our giant. Come on, think about it. When you stop feeding something, eventually it dies. dies. So stop feeding your giant and start defeating your giant in Jesus' name. You say, what does that mean? It means you've got to stop doing things that add to the giant's power in your life. Like there's a guy in our church, his giant is anger. That's his giant. So he knows he can't listen to talk radio because when he listens to that, it feeds his giant <laughs> and it makes him angry. It's legit. There's a woman in our church, her giant is insecurity. So she knows she can't do social media like everybody else because it feeds her giant. There's a student in our church whose giant is fear. So they can't do Netflix and watch all the things that everyone else is because it feeds their giant. There's a woman with anxiety in our church. She doesn't watch the news because the news feeds her giant. And you say, well, that's just dumb. That's called wisdom. That's called, I would rather be free. That's called, I would rather be free than be like the world. So stop feeding your giant. Start feeding your spirit. Come on, what do you need to change in your life so you stop feeding your giant? Does your job feed your giant? Change your job. Does your routine feed your giant? Change your routine. Do your friends feed your giant? Help me out. There you go. You're like, nah, (laughs) I know. And that's why we get stuck. Stop feeding your giant, start feeding your spirit. You actually are going to have to do some things. The reason your giant is still alive today is because it's feeding off how you're living. It's time to change some some things. And it's not just about what you remove, it's about what you add. Come on. So here's my question for you. Do your thoughts take you to the giant's front door or to God's kingdom? And do your actions feed your giant or feed your spirit? If you want to deal with your giant, you got to change your thinking and change your living. Lesson eight is simply this. Hang out with giant killers. If you want to face your giants and you want to find victory, hang out with giant killers. Come on. That's just like basic logic, isn't it? If you want to be a successful business person, you want to hang out with business people that are successful. You want to be a great athlete? You want to hang out with great athletes. You want to have a great family? You want to hang out with people that are all in on what they're doing with their family? Same is true. You want to kill your giant? Hang out with giant killers. Hang out with people who have found victory and are battle tested and are warriors and know how to use the weapons of God and have stories to tell and scars to show and have a faith to move forward. That's who you got to hang out with. Come on, Joshua didn't just wake up one day and become the one of the greatest giant killers in the Bible. Do you know what Joshua was for 40 years before that? He was Moses' servant. Look at this. For 40 years, the next verse. Joshua's son, the son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth. Joshua, the giant killer. For 40 years was Moses' aide. Not for 40 minutes not one coffee, not 40 days, 40 years, he positioned himself at the feet of Moses and said, Moses, I wanna learn how to kill giants. I wanna learn how to think, I wanna learn how to live, I wanna learn how to use the weapons, I wanna learn how to have faith, I wanna learn how to be strong and courageous, I wanna learn how to be aware of the presence of God, I wanna learn how to know that my giant has already been defeated in Jesus' name for 40 years, man. That's why he could kill 31 giant kings and kingdoms. Or how about David for a second, think of David. David, who kills Goliath, right? One of the biggest giants in the Bible. And David runs at him, picks up five smooth stones with his slingshot and says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And he takes that stone and slings it, hits Goliath. Goliath dies. The whole army runs away, brings victory to the people of God. Well, do you realize after that, David starts to build an army and his men come and they gather around him and David teaches them how to be giant killers. In fact, here's a little bit that you don't know. Goliath had four relatives. Goliath had four relatives, and all four of those relatives were killed by David's men. David's men hung out with a giant killer, and they became giant killers. That's why, look at this verse. These four, Goliath's relatives, were descended from the giant, Goliath. And they fell by the hands of David and his servants. Come on, man. they learned how to kill a giant from a giant killer. And here's what's so cool. David picks up five stones, five. He didn't pick up five because he was afraid he was gonna miss on the first one. No, he picked up five because there was five of them and he was ready to take them all out. But the other four weren't his battle to fight. They were his men's battle to fight. And because he discipled them and trained them and raised them up, they went out and killed the giants. Come on, that's how this thing works, man. Or how about this next verse? It says, all those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around David and he became their leader. People with giants gathered around David to learn how to become giant killers. So here's my question, who do you gather around? When you got a giant in your life, who do you gather around? Do you gather around people who face their giants or run from their giants? Who are victims to their giants or victorious over their giants? Who defeat their giants or defeated by their giants? Who tolerate their giants or who take on their giants? Come on. Do you hang out with people who talk fear or faith? Defeat or deliverance? Victim or victorious? Advancement or apathy? Who do you hang out with? I mean, Proverbs 13, 20, look at this. It says, though he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harms. Paraphrase, whoever you hang out with, you're going to become like. So look at the people you hang out with. Do you want to be like them? Are they giant killers? Or are they living in the shadow of their giant? Because I hate to break this to you. This tells us you will become like them. You say, nah, no, not me. I'm, I'm not influenceable. This tells us you will become like them. Listen, I love hanging around giant killers. I love listening to their stories and Battles and seeing their scars. I just listen, it just builds my faith, it feeds my spirit. Hear me, you need to hear the stories of warriors, you need to hear the stories of battles, you need to hear the stories of victories of people finding victory over anxiety and stress and pornography and brokenness and pain and all. You need those stories in your life. You say, Well, where do I find them? Right here. This church is full of giant killers, but you know what that means? You're probably gonna have to get in a group. Join a team, go to first step, come early, stay late. All of a sudden you're like, nope, I'm good. (laughs) I know. So you're just going to let your giant hang out for a while. Because here's the truth. You will tolerate your giant until you become desperate enough to deal with him. And maybe you're just not desperate enough to deal with him. But if you are, you will find other giant killers because you're like, I'm done with this thing. Yeah, and God's put some amazing giant killers in this family to help you learn how to find victory in your life. Question is, is are you serious enough about dealing with your giant or has he become your friend and you're okay with him as long as he stays there? That's just choosing to live a very small and defeated life. You with me on that? Lesson nine is this. Get up again. Get up again. Because guess what? Some days it feels like the giant one. Some days the giant knocks you down. Some days he beats you. Some days he defeats you. Some days he haunts you. Some days he swings his sword so hard you just fall down. Some days it feels like the anxiety one, the depression one, the shame one, the insecurity one, the brokenness one, the bitterness one. Get up again. Get up again. Come on. Get up again. You may have lost that battle, but remember Jesus has already won the war. When you get knocked down, go back to lesson three that says, no, your giant has already been defeated in Jesus' name. Come on, you may have walked in here today and anxiety knocked you down this week. Get up again. You may have walked in here this week and stress knocked you down. Get up again. You may have walked in here today and shame knocked you down this week. Get up again. Loneliness knocked you down. Get up again. Get up again. Get up again. In Jesus' name, get up. (laughs) Come on, get up again. Look at this verse. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning there's a fresh mercy and a grace from God. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. God's not out to get you. He's not mad at you. He's saying to you, hey, 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 hey. Come on, let's get up again. Let's do it again today. Come on, we got this thing today. Or look at this next verse, Proverbs. It says, for though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. A righteous man falls seven times. You know, the only difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man is the righteous man gets up again. They both fall. Righteous is someone who has been restored by the faith they have in Jesus. So there is grace upon their life that when they fall, even if it's seven times, they get up again. Because they refuse to allow a temporary loss to become a permanent defeat. Because they know who they are in Jesus. Are you with me on that? Yes. Come on, think of the Apostle Paul for a second. The guy's a giant killer. He kills impossibilities and darkness, demons. He rises people from the dead, miracles, signs and wonders. And yet Paul's got a giant in his own life that he can't take down. It's called the thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but it's a giant. And he's so desperate, he cries out to God multiple times. And finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what God says back to the Apostle Paul. He says to him, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults, in hardships and persecution and in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong." In other words, this giant that won't go down, Paul realizes that God's grace is enough for him. That when he is weak, he's actually strong. You see, some of you are here today and your giant's not falling the way that you want it to. Sometimes it it didn't fall yesterday and it's not falling today and it might not fall a year or 10 years from now. That was what was happening with Paul. But what Paul is telling us is that even in the midst of a giant in my life, God's grace is enough to empower me to face my giant, to stand against my giant, and to move forward in spite of my giant. That's what grace does. That's why David in Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, even though there are giants against me, my God is still good to me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, David says, in the midst of the giant in front of me that hasn't fallen yet, I will move forward. How do we know he's moving forward? Because goodness and love, he says, follows him. If something follows you, it means you're moving forward. He says, because God is good to me, I will move forward. And goodness and love will follow me along the way. So even when I'm knocked down, I will get up again. Get up again. Hey, get up again. Some of you walked in here today bloodied and scarred and battered and bruised from your giant. Come on. His grace is saying, get up again. Get up again. Get up again. That's lesson nine. Get up again. Because Sometimes you'll fall. And here's the bonus. Ready for the bonus? We got there, but this is quick. You're like, I know you've been talking so fast. I know, because I needed to get to the bonus. Here's the bonus. Bonus lesson. Deal with your giants so the next generation doesn't have to. Okay. Here's what I want you to think about. David should have never had to fight Goliath. In fact, Goliath should have never been born. You say, how? Well, generations earlier, when God told Joshua and the Israelites to go into the promised land, he tells them exactly what the borders are, and he tells them to go in and defeat every single giant in the land, to destroy every single one of them. And if that generation of Israelites, yes, they took 31 giant kingdoms, but they didn't finish the job. And if they would have finished the job and dealt with all of the giants in the land, then guess what? There would have been no more giants to be fruitful and multiply. But because they didn't finish the job and they left some giants in the land and the next generation didn't take care of those giants and the next generation didn't take care of those giants, every generation then went by. Those giants multiplied, reproduced, got bigger, got stronger. And so what one generation tolerated, another generation had to deal with. And so by the time you get to David, David should have never had to fight Goliath because Goliath should have been defeated by his father's generation. When you refuse to deal with the giants in your life, you have to understand that they multiply in your children's life. You empower whatever you tolerate. Some of you are in this room, you've had to spend your entire life fighting giants that your parents should have defeated. And because they didn't go to battle and they didn't fight them, they multiplied, they got bigger, they reproduced in your life and now you've had to spend your life dealing with them. Don't make that same mistake for your children. We're called by God to clear out the land of the giants. That includes your life. That includes your life. Listen to me. Your kids don't need more stuff, they need less giants. Don't spend your life going and making money and making stuff and getting famous and all that junk. Your kids don't need that, they need less giants. And yes, it's going to cost you something now, but it could cost them everything later. Come on. Don't hand your kids that anxiety. Don't hand your kids that depression. Don't hand your kids that fear. Don't hand your kids that pornography addiction. Don't hand your kids that addiction. Don't hand your kids that shame and that insecurity and that loneliness. Come on. Don't hand your kids a battle that God has empowered you to win. That's how it works. Hang on. Hang on. Just hang on. This is how it works in the kingdom of God. Either you increase or advance or your giants increase or advance. There's no in between. Either I am fruitful and multiplying and moving forward and taking giants out or they are fruitful and multiply and increase and start taking me and my lineage out. Come on, David should have never had to fight Goliath. And there's some battles you should have never had to fight. And I'm sorry that those who have gone before us haven't defeated those giants. But we get to be a people that draw a line in the sand and say, they didn't, but we will. Let's hand our kids more of the kingdom and less giants. And you may not have the faith to do it for you. At least have the resolve to do it for them. Come on, and if you're single and you're like, I don't have kids or I'm a student, and this isn't about your physical children. This is about all of us reproducing the life of God in this world and taking out giants so those who come after us won't have to face them so they can go further and farther than we ever have. Deal with your giants so the next generation doesn't have to. Who cares what physical stuff you leave to your children at the end of your life? I wanna leave my kids, the kingdom, free and clear of the giants that I've had to spend my life fighting so they can start there and live the life of freedom that we all crave. That's called parenting, just so you know. Parenting is not actually about physically birthing a child and feeding them, bathing them, clothing them, and paying for their college. And I realize that hits like really hard because that's really true. And we really forget that. Our job is to deal with our junk so they don't have to. Come on, let's do that in Jesus' name. Romans 8. Let me close it. This is our verse that we've used. Here's the rest of it. In all these things, against any and every giant in your life, we are more than conquerors. We are victorious through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I believe this in the core of my soul, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, ready, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, he says, I am convinced that there is no giant that can keep me from the promises of God through Jesus. It's time to face our giants. It's time to rise up. It's time to say, I'm tired of you squatting on my life. That is mine. It belongs to me because of the finished work of Jesus. And I'm going to take these lessons. I'm going to apply them to my life. And I'm going to be victorious in Jesus' name. Whether that giant falls today or at the end of my life, I don't really care. Because I know I'm going to stand and endure. I will overcome because of what Jesus has done. So close your eyes with me. Come on, what's God saying to you today? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your life in this moment? Come on, here's my sense for some of you. This is the moment where it gets real. This is the moment where all of a sudden this whole like, hey, maybe I need to take this Jesus God thing serious in my life. Maybe this is that moment. There's been so many series and messages and experiences all year in 2019 here at Valley Creek that have been about that. Like, this is the moment. This is the time. This might be the greatest one of all. To say, I don't know, man. I, I don't know that I can do it. You're right. You can't. But he can. So are you willing to call out to him and say, Jesus, would you come defeat the giants in my life? Would you come and help me find victory over this sin and this shame? The separation that I've had with you? Would you come heal me and make me whole? Would you teach me how to be a giant killer? To deal with the junk that's been holding me back? Because I know you want me to be free. So Lord Jesus, today I I pray that you stir up within us a, a soberness, a weightiness, a gravity to what you're inviting us to. I pray that today we have a a renewed strength. Today I pray for some of us, we just get up again. We just get up off the mat and we say, you know what? I may have been losing for a while, but he's won the war. So I'm getting up and I'm re-engaging in this game. And you know what? I'm tired of dealing with this stuff. And you know what? I've had enough of tolerating it. So today is the day I'm going to start applying some of this stuff to my life because I want the life that Jesus gave everything so I could have. Remember, at the name of Jesus, every giant must bow. And as we were worshiping today, I just had this picture in my mind of a whole bunch of giants taking their knee at the feet of Jesus. May that be true of your giant and my giant. May today be the day because we submit and surrender to Jesus, he must submit and surrender to Jesus. Thank you, God, for a life of grace and freedom. Draw us forward in your name, we pray. Amen.